promoting is a more crowded field than it ever has been, but it's never been as easy as it is. You're listening to the Back on Beat Podcast. Producer and strategy coach Gerald Purify will help you evaluate your current situation and help you build strategies for the changes needed as a musicpreneur. Designed to help you build a clear plan, help you focus on what's important, and overall, explore the tools you need for success. Let's get back on beat. What's going on? Thank you for tuning into this episode of Back on Beat. If you're listening, this episode is scheduled to be aired on June 8th, I believe. Um, Today's show, we have a special guest I'll get into in a second, but I want to remind everybody, we're now starting to reopen. And so the thing is, people are going to be excited about when to go out to events. So what I suggest for you bands and artists out there is make sure that your performance is on point. Because what's happening right now is venues aren't able to be open to full capacity. So they're having to sell tickets. Now, this is a good thing and could be a great thing, but it can also be a not so great thing if you're not prepared. What I mean by that is initially, yeah, tickets are sold. It's great. But this is your opportunity to reintroduce yourself or just make your name known to a multitude of people that are excited to be at events, that are excited to listen to live music. Now, if you're not prepared, this could hurt you in a way of that, you know, first-time impressions are everything. And so be prepared. Now, in this episode, I sit down and talk with Paul Irving. Paul Irving is the founder of Big Big Slow. Now, if you are an artist, if you're a band, And if you're trying to play in the local scene here in San Luis County, you need to know this guy. He has his hands in every venue that you'll want to play at. So in this conversation, we're going to talk about promotion tactics. We're going to talk about how to make your band marketable and some of the tools that you need. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. big slow music marketing firm based on the central coast of California, uh, specifically Baywood Park. And a little background on big, big slow. After about 15 years of being in the life insurance and fixed annuity business, the excitement of that started to wear off right about the same time uh, Niederlander concerts up at, uh, they're doing the marketing for Vina Robles Amphitheater, they reached out to me because uh, they know that I'm a good street marketer. I've been marketing my own bands over the past 30 years on the Central Coast uh, with Rocksteady Posse back in the 80s, Mosaic, Afro-Punk Band in the 90s, and uh, currently Zongo All-Stars 
my uh, uh, seven piece Afro Latin band and my ska band, Upside Ska. And so I've been uh, just by virtue of doing good, engaging business for my bands and doing the marketing for the bands over this years, I had kind of uh, I've become kind of a known quantity on a, on a guy that knows how to hustle on street marketing, you know, flyers and posters and, and getting out to events and talking things up. So, uh, so Nederlander concerts at Vina Robles reached out to me and wanted me to lead their street team. And, um, and I'm, I'm kind of a family guy, so I need to actually feed my children and stuff. So when I asked what the compensation was for that, it was, well, we got some concert tickets and maybe a little bit of money and, and that wasn't really going to work for him because it's a significant commitment going out and doing that kind of work. So I asked them to uh, to just put the, the conversation on hold. And I came to the realization that I know a lot of people and I know a lot of promoters in the area and all the venue owners. And I came up with the idea that maybe we could be more effective as a, a as a group of promoters on the same platform promoting uh, instead of everybody just trying to hit the same people individually. So I came up with this thing called the pocket planner. Yeah. Have you seen the pocket planner? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. So the pocket planner is a pocket size, full color, uh, nicely produced like 28 to 36 page uh, magazine booklet that uh, I hand out by the thousands at, the events all over the central coast. I've got exclusive distribution at uh, Vina Robles Amphitheater, Fremont Theater, Siren, Slow Brew Rock. And everybody wants me to be there because uh, because their events are in the book. And so uh, instead of having 20 dudes like me cruise around hassling everybody with one concert card, everybody can get all the information that they need in my book and everyone hangs on to it, and it seems to have worked over the years. That's awesome. That, did that answer the question? Yes, sir. All right, so um, I want to go into 30 years of promoting your bands. I guess the question I have is, the methods of promoting, have they been kind of the same through the years, or have you had to change things around? Well, yeah. So interesting. When when I started doing all this concert promotion, it was 1986. And it was before personal computers were readily available to the public. And so what, you know, back then, doing all the, all the marketing stuff for Rocksteady Posse, it was spending time cutting things out and resizing things and pasting them and coming up with some black and white flyers at Kinko's downtown slow and uh, resizing them, setting them up, doing a bunch of cut and paste where I mean, it was, it was crazy how much work went into that. And this is before cell phone. So it was before cell phone. It's before computer. It's before uh, a lot of that. And it was even before I had a pager. So like back, back in those days, uh, you really had to be a true hustler. You had to be on the scene. You had to have tons of uh, personal conversations. You had to, um, it, you had to have paper that you would give to people. And like for my bands, I would, I would have like a, like a little handout that would have our entire 
monthly schedule on the thing to keep people coming back. And I, I came up with creative ways where I could uh, hit people with as many pieces of information about what we were doing as possible. And we kind of created a really, truly grassroots community out of out of that music. I, I think just by virtue of me having to work like on a such a granular level with all that, uh-huh. kind of gave me a work ethic to evolve into modern ages with uh, the tools that we all have at our disposal now. Now we've got email marketing. We've got uh social media i mean i can talk to thousands of people with a couple clicks on my computer over here i mean promoting is a more crowded field than it ever has been but it's never been as easy as it is i mean we have so many tools that we can uh reach out and cultivate a fan base online uh to get the people out to our live shows or you know do whatever we need to do so i think um yeah, it's definitely been a, a, an amazing evolution of marketing tools from when I started doing this in 86 to now. Yeah. So every event I know needs promotion, but what would you say, what level would a band need to be at before bringing on somebody as a promoter? You know, it's that's an interesting question. I think, you know, from a promoter standpoint, the promoter's job is to make money and a band needs to be marketable before they're going to be useful to a promoter. And so, uh, number one, you have to be good. You have to have very good music. You have to have your presentation all together. You need to have a super solid EPK. You need to have good video. You need to have, I mean, there's there's a long list of stuff that you need before a promoter is even interested in working you at at, at a big level. And really, my experience, I, I'm 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 pretty much a local guy. I I haven't really taken my music or tried to to market myself on a regional, national, or international stage. I you know it's you know, for, for for me, it's still kind of been a hobby level. So. Um, big, big, slow doesn't necessarily from, I mean, the, the main, the main thing isn't really promoting events under the big, big, slow brand. Although I do plenty of that. Like I do my beer at the pier concert series every Monday out here in Baywood. Um, I produce, you know, two, three, four festivals out here. I run the Zongo yachting cup, the biggest offshore sailing race that culminates in a concert down in Avila. So, I mean, I, I, I do a few things, but really what my main role is in Big Big Slow is to amplify the efforts of the other promoters. So Fremont Theater and Santa Barbara Bowl and Vina Robles Amphitheater and the Siren and Slow Brew Rock and all these other uh, venues that are doing stuff around here. They come to me and I help amplify their message uh, on, my, on my website. Um, I'm on the radio with K-Pig. I am the music editor for the local paper out here on the coast, the, the Estero Bay News, uh, email marketing, pocket planner print. So so I guess the answer is, yeah, for sure. That's that's exactly okay. what Big Big Slow does. I, I'm here to help out other promoters get their message across. It's not about me. Okay. So I want to go into how important an email list is. 
because I know a lot of times people are thinking like, oh, I have Facebook friends. I have Instagram followers. I think that the email list is the absolute most important piece of uh, of marketing collateral a band can have. I, I can't understate it, how important it is. Because with social media, um, we're getting bombarded by 50 billion things. I mean, I can take, I, I can take a look at, at my, uh, my Facebook thing and spend four hours on it every day and still not, uh, not even scratch the surface on all the stuff that's <laughs> coming into my feed. Right. I can never get through my whole feed right. and I don't see a lot of this stuff and algorithms will filter out things and you, you don't see things that maybe you want to see or, or however that goes. But when you have an email list and you keep in contact with that everybody reads their emails or most people that most people do i mean when (laughs) when when i get an email i can see what the headline is and if it seems like it's uh, interesting to me or it's something that resonates with me i'm gonna open that thing up and i'm gonna take the time to focus on it and um it email is gold i would say it's probably the most important thing you could do as a promoter, generally, like what would be a general percentage a promoter would get from the event? You know, it doesn't really doesn't really work like that typically. Okay. In, I, I think in your typical situation, the promoter is the guy who is paying the bands and hoping that he makes enough revenue to at least break even and then make money. So it's not, it's not really a typically a percentage, but I, I, I guess if, if you boiled it down and kind of took a look at averages and I mean, I don't even know how to, how to calculate that. It's, it's, it's more so promoter promoter upfronts the cost and then hopes to recoup. Yeah. Like, like for, for example, you know, the typical arrangement is, um, I want to throw a show. I'm going to, you know, either I have a venue or I'm going to pay the venue costs to secure that venue. Um, I'm going to hire your band for either X amount or maybe there's some other arrangement. And um, and then I hope that I make enough money with my ticket sales that I can pay you and make a little bit of money. Otherwise, I'm paying you out of my pocket and um, and it didn't work very well. I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen how it goes. I've, I've taken a look at uh, a lot of how uh, promoters make their money. And a lot of times uh, it, I, I, just a generalization. I think it's a lot easier for a promoter to lose money on an event than it is to make money. So I asked that question because I want to expose the big picture of how much work it goes to in each single task, whether it be promotions, whether it be marketing, distribution, all that stuff, just so that like people don't get the idea of like, oh, I'm going to put a song out and everyone's going to love it and it's that easy. Or I'm going to make a Facebook event and now people are going to come. So what you're saying is is very good insight. I want to get back into the, the marketing tools or promotional tools. What are the must haves like the things you actually need to have general success with your events okay so so before you talk about what you do to it to attract the attention um 
and I, I, I help these venues out and I'm always creating content and, and uh, trying to put things and keeping my calendar uh, comprehensive on my website. And I'm always in a, a position to, okay, now I have to go out. I've got to go uh, find the description of a band and their photo and a video. And, and that sounds pretty easy, but um, I'm always amazed how many bands are, are they, they don't have their scene together on such mm. basic things. And so if I was going to come up with a, with like a, a hit list for, um, for bands and, 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 you know, half of bands don't have this in this super basic list, but um, the first thing is to be able to describe your sound in three words or less. Oftentimes I'll go to like a Facebook page of a band and you'd be surprised, but at least half the bands out there play country, disco, funk, rock, <laughs> star, jazz, and, um, and indie. And it's like, I, I'm, I'm not sure you do. <laughs> right. And so if you're a rock band, just say it. We play rock or yeah, vintage rock or we're a ska band or roots reggae or whatever. You don't have to be everything. And it's, and it's often really good to, to try to like not try to score every gig by trying to be a country band and a rock band and whatever. Um, so, so to be able to define your sound in three words or less, I think is a pretty good challenge for a lot of bands. Um, then I think a super useful piece, and I and, and I I really don't see this very often, but to be able to carefully craft in one paragraph what your band and your sound is all about, because um, a lot of times, like you, you can take a look at band band websites. And more often than not, the bio is like a four-page letter. How Johnny started playing guitar in his high school band in Cincinnati and then hooked up with Johnny when he went to college down in Florida. And then this and that. And, <laughs> and like before you know it, you, you, you fell asleep trying to find out where Todd came into the band and what it is. And so... So I think there's, as far as describing your music, three words or less, one paragraph, and then take your 10 pages to do your bio if people want to hear more. But don't replace a three-word description or a one paragraph, which is super important right. in promoters being able to say, okay, cool, these guys are you know alt-rock and reggae or whatever their thing is, and then here's their one thing that they can patch right into the event description on the uh on the marketing that a venue or a promoter is going to use to to try to tell the people uh about the story um so so describing your band correctly i think is a very a very uh, important piece of the thing that i don't really see done well enough uh the other thing is uh good photos can you just please have a couple great photos of your band? And maybe maybe one is like a studio shot where, where it's just your faces or you know, you're lined up against the brick wall or what, whatever that shot is. But then um, it's also super 
compelling to show you on stage looking good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next thing is a very good video, like a well-produced video. And I think the kinds of videos that resonate with promoters best are the kind of videos that uh, show a live show with uh-huh. happy people engaging with the band. Because really when it comes down to it, um, what what we're all trying to sell, we're not trying to sell music. We're not trying to, to sell beer, really. We're, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to uh, sell a positive experience. And, and so, so whatever we can do, like whatever, whatever a band can do to convey how they're going to help create that experience for the, uh, for, for the concert goer, that's really what it's all about. And it, it, if a band can't help the promoter tell that story, then the promoter has a hard time telling the story. Right. I think that is uh, the best way to put it, even for the bands and the artists. That's cool that you record whatever music you do and you play it, but your most important job is to sell a great experience. Yeah, and and you you can see, I mean you've seen you've seen billions of bands on stage, and sometimes, like my my favorite bands to go see live are not the bands that um that, that are just technically meticulous what i like to see is artists connecting with audience like that that whole like audience artist connection for me is at least half the game for live otherwise look you up on spotify and pour myself a drink so dealing with the email list huge importance how important is having your own website? Immensely important. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure it really needs to be all that involved, but I think I think at least a solid EPK is crucial. Okay. Like when I when I want to learn about a band, I, I don't really need to be wowed with three pages of merch, but I do want to learn about them quickly. And I may want to learn a lot more about them by reading like an extended bio. I want to see some photos. I want to see uh, a few videos and I want to be able to, to stream some, some music. I want to, I want to be able to, to at least hit the button on SoundCloud or Spotify and, and hear what they're all about. Website is uh it's basically a business card, but it's a place where you can kind of, uh, kind of operate from. Like you're when you send out an email, your email should have links in it. Say, you know, hey, did you check out our new video? Or we just dropped this new single. Here's a link to listen to that, or uh, any of that kind of stuff. Links to your social media stuff. So it, you want to keep everything connected as much as you can. All right, real briefly, let's talk about what you've done with the live stream. I think it's really exciting and really innovative. I know that there's been people that have been doing this already, but no one's been doing this on the coast like you have started. So let's go into that. Okay, so um, three to four weeks ago, 
our industry hit a brick wall on live events. And so everybody has been just rushing to live streaming, right? And mm-hmm. and I think there's there's a couple there's a couple things that are happening. Number one, like everybody's doing it. So you go onto Facebook, and like e- everybody's sitting on their couch with their guitar, right? Right. And I'm not really sure that's super compelling. And and I, and I think I mean maybe it's working for some guys. I I don't really know what everybody's experience is, but what what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to put a platform together. I actually, actually am really close on, on doing it. It's a slow, slowhouseparty.com. And, um, and what I found is there's no good turnkey uh, system. There's, you know, there's no platform that's already ready made that that's all good for high quality video and, uh, and audio. So I've had to, kind of put things together but in the uh, in the process of doing that there really are some some pretty easy ways to uh to kind of tool up so you make your presentation um a lot more polished than a lot of the people out there i mean i would say probably 80 percent of the, the people out there doing live stream are just turning on facebook live with their with their cell phone and calling it good Right. Really, it's not that difficult to even like like even if you're uh, like a singer songwriter to just get like a USB mic, spend fifty bucks on a USB mic, and all of a sudden you sound good. Um, and you maybe you spend you know seventy five bucks on a good webcam, and now you look good and you sound good, and you just spend one hundred twenty five bucks to do that. But now you are now you been able to to kind of captivate your your crowd and hopefully build your audience more than uh, than just a local crowd you've uh, been seeing now that we're all in the wild west of the internet now now it's time to make some more friends but you can't do that if you're not looking or sounding good yeah i agree i was telling my wife last week i was like yeah i checked out some live streams but it's kind of getting like the same thing over and over again, and it's sounding the same over and over again. So, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, if you have a chance, uh, check out slowhouseparty.com, and I'm keeping an archive of the shows that I've done there. And did you check out the 420 show that I just? Yeah, did? I did. That sounded great. It did sound good. It sounded good. It looked good. And you know, we've been we've been really putting together like all, all the pieces on that. And I think we finally have a formula where we can make everyone's look and sound good. So I, I think that's going to be the key. That's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to separate myself just by virtue of quality. There's one topic or idea that stood out to me during this conversation and that is being marketable. So I want to explore that concept a little more. So in the next episode, I'm going to bring the roundtable back to discuss ideas about musicians being marketable. So once again, I want to say thank you to Paul and also thank you to those that take the time to listen. After the last episode, I got several messages of people contacting me with ideas of topics, and I love that. Collaboration is highly welcomed, so feel free to contact me at joepurify.com as well as Instagram and Facebook. 
if you use the Apple podcast platform and wouldn't mind taking the time to leave a rating and a review, that would be highly appreciated. And if you're interested in some free resources, you can head on over to GeraldPurify.com where you'll find a free toolkit I put together that'll help you get started on your music business. I want to say thanks again. And remember, victory loves preparation.